2: Welcome to It Roadshow Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're live here at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista, getting you ready for a football weekend. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, and Connor Clark. Numbers to get in can join us today on Hale Varsity in La Vista, 466-3776, 466-3776, toll free, around the state, one 800 825 Five eight six five. A lot to debate, like gas station hot dogs. Dion Sanders, his head coach in Nebraska. That's the rumor today, dispelled by some good sources. But it was fun to think about. We'll get into that. Can watch us here, not only live at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista, we're, uh just kind of uh, snuggled in between Cabela's and Embassy Suites. But also, we're streaming here on the Streamyard setup with ESPN Lincoln Facebook and ESPN Lincoln Twitter. Can also check out Hail Varsity Radio's Twitter handle at H Radio. Email the show Chris at hailvarsity.com, and let's get to the lineup set for you today. Greg Henson, longtime Michigan insider, gonna join us around 4:25. Andrew Rogers of at Sports. Checks in around 4.40. The Pride of Fairberry, Bill Dolman at 5 o'clock. And then, and then uh, somewhere in Detroit, we will run down Brady Altman's and then Closburn with us for the Friday forecast. Uh, and guys, it's been quite interesting as Nebraska is trending, uh, first and foremost, uh, when and why does Nebraska trend? Typically, it's been after a debilitating what-just-happened loss, uh, now it's or, trending. Or,
0: or don't not forget the debilitating why-did-he-just-say-that quote from Scott Frost. That was another big reason. Fair,
2: fair. So it's either what's said or done, mm-hmm. okay, after a, a loss or what happened on the field. So Nebraska's trending because uh, the former uh, Ohio State wide receiver coach, Smith First name, Zach Smith, Zachary Smith, the guy that Urban defended and then got pretty much moved out because of, uh, has a podcast. Uh, Zach went on there and uh, has some inside info uh, that uh, Dion's already agreed to terms. So I have that right. Is, is that the layout? I don't pay a ton of attention to, to Zach Smith, uh, quite frankly. But, yeah, it's fun to think about Dion Sanders and uh, Nebraska it's been shot down and it's been shot down by Dion. So question is this, did you love it or did you hate it? <laughs> Cause, Cause Dion's a, the second name this week. There was some smoke around Gary Patterson for about 24 hours. Fellas, we'll get into a little bit of the game, but this carousel is quite fun to talk about, honestly. And men, you think about two monster brands, Nebraska And Coach Prime, and so far so good in year two for him at Jackson State, does that translate to Big Ten? I think it would have been cool to watch. I think he could probably do well. But I'm thinking if Deion Sanders makes the move, and when Deion Sanders makes the move from Jackson State, it's probably uh, just a little bit east to an Auburn uh, or somewhere in the SEC, uh, Florida State. I just don't know. The, the, here's the scales that I'm staring at. It's it's the, the brand that Dion totally respects and gets of Nebraska, so that's the 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 name and, and wow factor that would probably be intriguing to him. Uh, and then there's the vicinity in recruiting and, and where Dion sp- spent most of his life, and that's the South, either in Texas as a high school coach, a great player at Florida State with the Cowboys, right? Uh, obviously, he was with the 49ers. And then uh, also Washington, but it, and it was great in Atlanta. I would think Georgia Tech could be a natural fit as well, or Auburn. And who knows if Dion's ready to move on from Jackson State right now? But it was kind of fun while it lasted. And well. Dion and Mickey tag team in top ten classes. My oh my, that could have been fun. And, and we'll see. Uh, we have a little bit of time yet before this uh, impending announcement actually happens with where actually Nebraska goes with their head coach. And I think the question of the day is this Zach Smith guy, it's his podcast, Minus 2
0: Sports, which is a, an interesting, maybe fitting podcast name for some of this guy's history. But um, he essentially the question is, is he doing this in order to, to build up his podcast, making a story out of nothing so the Husker fans tune in and go, wow, this is, this is awesome, awesome news, build up the numbers, or does he actually have an inside scoop? Does he actually have a source? And uh, Connor, do we have the audio poll? to we allowed to play this today? Sure. There's no uh, naughty
3: words. Correct? I don't have the audio, but I can get it for you.
0: Okay, I, I, can, I can just briefly give you the synopsis. So Zach Smith says he got a call from a from a guy, guy who knows a guy. Pretty much. It's a, a, a guy a who friend. claimed to be a coach within the HBCU ranks. And he said, this coach reached out to me and just said, you're not going to believe this, but just got a call last night from Dion Sanders saying that he's about to accept the Nebraska job and he wants me on as a coordinator on his next staff. The pin hasn't been put to paper, but he has verbally accepted an offer and is in the process of putting together a staff before he puts pin to paper. And and that's essentially where this story came from. That this guy is a trusted source in the HBCUs that is going to be following Dion
2: to Nebraska, and that's what they made this out of. Is he a competitor against Dion on the recruiting trail in in the HBCU ranks? Is he trying to uh, do a little misdirection so he can land a prized recruit? Is he trying to? Is this come from Auburn, mm. right? So there can be some urgency to make a move and. Let's get going here. Let's throw in the, Nebraska will react. <laughs> and, Nebraska uh, has reacted. Nebraska has has reacted. And uh, yeah, what's what's the the motive other than Deion's Super intriguing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I didn't. I come back to your point. What's
0: the motive? Why is this coach? calling up Zach Smith, and based on the tone I got, I don't think... Who willingly calls up Zach Smith? Well, I don't think Zach Smith pulled this out of his, you know, I don't think he pulled it out of nowhere based on his tone and how he presents this. I do think he actually got a call from somebody. I do believe somebody actually told him. Now, the question is, why would they release this to Zach Smith? I don't think they're reaching out to Zach Smith to make him a part of the staff. That doesn't make much sense to
2: me, and maybe I'm wrong there, but that seems like an absolute PR nightmare. Aside from his off-the-field issues, on field, the guy was really good. I'm not condoning or excusing. I'm saying, uh, when it came to to coaching and recruiting, Zach Smith was incredible. Or, but, but you can't hire that guy nor be around that guy. Or, or the other
0: question is: is so again back to the motive. Is this coach reaching out saying, you know what, Zach Smith, I like you. I know you're trying to build up this podcast. Let me give you a scoop to get you some inside knowledge. Or is this, as you said, another HBCU coach trying to pull the rug out from underneath Deion Sanders and give himself some leverage? That's where I'm, I'm, I'm trying to decipher where this is coming from. Or is it 100% legit? Is it just, you know what, I'm friends with Zach Smith. Here's an inside knowledge. I don't even know you have a podcast, man. Um, I don't think you're going to go shout this to the wind. Let's just have a, a friendly conversation about what I know, what I'm hearing. I know you love college football. and oh, wait, you have a podcast, and now you're releasing this to everybody. I didn't know that. I don't know what the backstory is here, but all I know is there is some sort of motive to to release this to a guy like Zach Smith, and I'm not sure that that takes away from the credibility of the story, but it does raise some question marks as to, you know, what the hell does this mean?
2: It means that Nebraska is ready for movement (laughs) and an announcement. Well, and, and, and the Deion Sanders name,
0: when you dive into it, there is a lot of excitement around that name if, if Dion is the he's guy. a good old school coach old school coach and I said this a few months ago about Urban and I am not on team Urban Meyer whatsoever but my my defense for Urban as being yes this guy should be at least considered as a Nebraska coach is the fact that if you're a high school player if you're a guy who's in the transfer portal if you're a guy who's happy at a school and you pick up your phone and you see hey it's Urban Meyer Colin, you pick up and it's the same story with Deion Sanders. If you're happy no matter what, if you're in a commitment, if you're, say, Dylan Raiola going off to Ohio State, and you get a call from Deion Sanders saying, hey, I, bud, I want you at Nebraska. Me and Mickey Joseph are going to go balls to the wall to get you to Nebraska. You're going to pick up that call, and you're going to listen to what Deion Sanders has to say because it's Deion. It's prime. Everyone knows Deion Sanders. Everyone knows the results he's had down at, at uh Excuse Jackson, me, Jackson State. State I was going to say Georgia State I knew that was wrong Down at Jackson State everyone's seen the results and everyone knows yet yeah, Dion, I respect that guy he knows what it takes to get to the NFL he's a wise guy and man he really connects with the black youth of America that's what he's shown I mean he went and beat Nick Saban for the number one recruit in the country last season that, that just speaks to what Dion Sanders is and the respect that he draws that's why you look at this with excitement for Nebraska if Dion is the guy now on the flip side Big Ten experience no Proven program builder, I'd also say no. He's done it at Jackson I, I State, but Jackson, built, Jackson State is not, not Nebraska. It's not the Big Ten. Not a proven program builder. And the third factor is, what, what's Dion's longevity at a place like Nebraska? How much does he love coaching college football? That's another big question. He's had success, and he, he did it because you know he wanted to rise up the, the ranks of, of what HBCU was to college football. Now whenever he gets out of that, now he's coaching for a paycheck as opposed to something a little bit bigger than that. What is the motivation for a guy like Dion Sanders to, you know, give full commitment to a place like Nebraska?
2: going to ask both of you because you're young. I remember when Dion was drafted. I remember watching him play against Nebraska in the Fiesta Bowls. I remember the incredible ability as a, a lockdown corner and punt returner extraordinaire. So I know Deion. He was part of my childhood, man. I mean, he was – Fantastic. Well, Deion, Deion was
0: a part of my childhood as well, but in a slightly different way. It wasn't watching Deion Sanders play. That's it where I'm going. What, what do you guys think of him as two young 20-year-olds? It's, it's a guy that you know the excitement behind Deion Sanders. It's almost like uh, we were talking about Michael Vick on the show yesterday. It's what Michael Vick would be to a guy who is 14, 15 year fifteen-year-old mm-hmm. now. You, you see the highlights of Michael Vick. You, you see him on Twitter, and you go, wow, I wish I w- could have watched this guy live. This guy looks incredible, looks like the best athlete on the field. That's what I thought of as Dion, but for the most part, I saw him on NFL Network. Okay, so you know him um, as an analyst. I, I knew him. He had his little segment, 21st and Prime, every single time where he's one of the best segments on NFL Network on any given day, and it in current highlights with Dion's old highlights, and Deion would give his take, and you just knew that's a guy who's respected, that's a guy who's a Hall of Famer, that's Dion Sanders. It's, it's not that we don't know him for his play, but I think it's, it's slightly different than the, the lens that you view him through, and Connor, I'll let you jump in here because you're even younger than me.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think of him still more as a player, mainly, like, I, I'm not a huge NFL network watcher regardless, so I didn't really see him that much in that sense. Um, but, you know, just like the impact of, of how he played and the kind of the swagger in which he played, I think, rubs off on, on the younger generation because a lot of people want to play like Deion Sanders, so mm-hmm. I think that was a little bit of it. Um, so, yeah, just kind of highlights-wise and, oh, yeah, it's Deion Sanders, like, he's the guy. Um, and, and back to your point, Elijah, I mean, you're getting a phone call from Dion Sanders. You're going to pick up and listen to that phone call. I mean, even in today's, even even in my age group, you're going to pick up that phone call. So I think that's kind of the, the impact that he's left on people my age is more so how he played and the, the swagger in which he brought to the football field and, and how he was so dominant while, while bringing all those aspects together in between the lines. And, and to
0: your point, Connor, I think everyone in our age group has at least seen the highlight of Deion Sanders returning that punt, and he high-steps it across midfield. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> 50, seen that highlight. 50-yard high-step. Yeah. That, that, that speaks to swagger. The, the swagger that he played with, and, and kind of that's how he connects with that younger generation. Is He almost, in my mind, looking back, was a player ahead of his time in, in terms of that, in terms of building your own brand on the football field, playing with some swagger, playing with, you know, uh, I don't want to say a chip on your shoulder, but playing in a way that you know you're the best player on the field. You have confidence he in you yourself. He was so
2: boisterous and cocky. That's the best and,
0: word, boisterous is the way to put and it. And
2: just diva. You think of wideouts as divas. I mean, you flip it around. He was such a difference-maker athlete that your best wideout, Jerry Rice, Michael Irvin, Andre Risen, and I know him and Risen would always you know, shadow box one another off the line of scrimmage. And I, Ryzen's probably a stretch to throw in with Irvin and, and Rice. But the point being is he took your best away, and there was nothing you could do about it. And and for as loud and brash as he was, dude, he delivered all the time, every time on Sundays. And then you, you flip it over. Bo Jackson was the first two sports stud. And what could have been with Bo if he doesn't get hurt against Cincinnati? Well, Dion was in uh, every fall classic plan for Atlanta, or he'd go have a, a run at a batting title with Cincinnati or San Francisco. I mean, so his baseball career was was not as impactful as Bo's, but, man, you knew where he was, where he returned to punt and hit a home run. They did a 30-for-30 30 30 on it, for God's sake.
3: But not many people the, could do that.
2: Yeah, the, the 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 week of Dion. But, no, I listen, this is fun to chat about, fun to think about and a name that has been out there but you never really took seriously uh, until maybe you're still not taking seriously, but it's there, and it just kind of underscores where you're at. Let's talk for a second here. we got about a minute here. We'll dive in with Greg Henson in a little bit as well on Michigan-Nebraska. But, you know, you look at Mickey from an experience standpoint, the, 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 the hesitation for some on Mickey is experience as a head coach. And he'll have nine games to show what he's done. They're, they're Nebraska's not winning right now. They're up against it, but they're still playing hard. They still have been competitive. That's a credit to him with this mess. There'd be some that say, you know what, Mickey's – do, do you move on from Mickey if if Dion was an option – just from an experience standpoint, the level Mickey's been where Dion's been, but Mickey's been at some Power Fives longer, and that's the whole point. With Trev, is you got to go find somebody who you either can believe can grow into the into the job if it's Mickey, or you go get a guy that can build and has experience doing so. And to to, to your thought about. Mickey, and, and, and now Dion. I mean, Dion's not done it at the Big Ten level.
0: He hasn't More done it at the power Big Ten level, level. But you can look at projection and say that a, a two-headed monster of Mickey Joseph and Dion Sanders recruiting, I think, can can lessen the, the pitfalls of some of those uh, inexperienced can, things. Can if you can go get better talent than
2: anybody. Can, can, go, can both guys go get offensive line and defensive linemen? Uh, we'll continue on with Hale Varsity.
4: Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast ten dollars off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce: ten issues of our monthly magazine,
0: our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com/slash-subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for ten dollars off a full year of Hale varsity. That's HailVarsity.com/slash-subscribe promo code GBR.
1: And now.
2: And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're here at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. Just snuck in between Cabela's and Embassy Suites. We are on the air here in Omaha on ESPN Omaha, 590 till 530 till volleyball coverage. You welcome in Michigan insider, Mr. Greg Henson back with us. Follow him at Greg Henson on Twitter. Uh, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbolt, Connor Clark. As uh, we get you ready for uh, tomorrow's point spread. Uh, great team's cover. Remember that uh, mantra. Greg, what's a good word, man? Uh, thanks for jumping on. How are you doing? I think you're muted, partner.
5: Uh, I'm old. There it is. Now we're good. There we, we got gotcha. you. Gotcha. Hey, I was good to say, see you, man. I unmuted it. I'm not stupid. <laughs> 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 so let me tell you something. I'm going to put in a request okay. to call this Hail to the Victor's Radio. Let's do that. No, mm-hmm. no. Can't do it. Can't, can't do it. It's not part of the logo.
2: Can't do it. I can still remove
5: you from the stream if you go too far down this road.
2: (laughs) I worked for him. (laughs) I love love him. We're going to be nice. Uh, But uh, no, hey, great season this year for Michigan. But you've covered sports. Man, for a number of years in, in monster markets, and, and you gotta love a good coaching carousel. That's what Nebraska's a part of. Today's wild, crazy rumor was Dion. That's been dispelled uh, two days ago. <laughs> two days ago, it was uh, Gary Patterson. We've heard the Aranda. Listen, uh, you, your immediate reaction to the thought and possibility of a Dion Sanders in Lincoln?
5: No. <laughs> I, I, I you know, Deion Sanders, I love Dion, but I don't I, I don't think you turn over a program like Nebraska to a guy who's coached for two years. That's um uh, it's too important of a school, it's too important of a of a conference to screw around. You know, look, I was there when they hired Scott Frost. I hate that it didn't work out for him. Mm-hmm. He should have gone there, won and died there. And mm-hmm. it's just like with Harbaugh, Michigan. It you know, when it was tenuous whether that would work. I, I think there's going to be a number of other coaching guys that will pop up for you guys um, once it's time to hire a coach. I like Bronco Mendenhall. I saw him mentioned. I have him here in Virginia. Good dude. Um, really laid back though. Like not a fiery type coach, but I think he'll win. I really think that that would be a good fit at Nebraska, unless there's somebody from the you know the Huskers past that can coach football, which. I can't think of any off the top of my head.
2: You know, Mickey's done a a really good job with this mess. There's still some some management things. There's been some, well, headbutting with the offensive coordinator and Mickey, how you get out alive. You know how Big Ten football works. You run the football, you run the football, and then you run the football some more. And there's been some hesitancy, and Nebraska's been knocked down a little bit with the backup quarterback situation uh, where they're at. So, uh, you know, it's... Your point is, is kind of the same page I'm on with you. You want experience and, and the, the, the name and the brand is still important to this state and, and the world of college football, but it's still not the yep. easiest gig to take. You know that.
5: Well, I think, you know, when you're talking about Nebraska, it's got to be a guy who can handle all the different machinations that go on, not just coach football. You got to come in with a great staff. Bronco Mendenhall or somebody like him would come in immediately stabilize the program. And I don't know where your thoughts are on Bronco, but I I really talked a lot about him, and
2: and I think he's good. I think he's good. Yeah,
5: I love him. He was here in Virginia. I was sad to see him go, and the program definitely took a step back. But you need a guy who's going to come in and keep all the factions at bay. And that Nebraska is very similar to Michigan. When Harbaugh came in, they screwed Rich Rod because. Rich Rod wasn't a Michigan guy, and he came in, and he was just not a good fit. I think he would have won if they would have left him alone. They did the same thing to Brady Hope. Brady Hope was a weak, weak head coach who, you know, really couldn't control his own athletic director. And, and I think that's going to be important for whoever comes into Nebraska because it's a big job, it's a big brand name, and, and it can win again if it's done correct. What happened with Frost? What's the scoop there? How could you go from being a 12, a 12 and 0 coach to a dummy?
2: I think the hires around him did not help him. They misevaluated. They didn't develop. They didn't practice the right way. And then I think you just got overwhelmed. And I don't know that you put the work in. That's my short synopsis.
5: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I think uh, that's was too totally bad. I, was, I had high hopes for him, man.
2: Greg Henson's with us
0: here, Hale Varsity Radio, as we talk a little bit of Dion Sanders. But, Greg, let's uh, shift gears here, talk some Michigan, as that is the task at hand for this Husker football team, even though we might want to a- avoid the game that's coming up tomorrow. Husker fans, I think, pretty scared for this one. Michigan, a thirty and a half point favorite. Tell me a little bit about what this Michigan offense is going to be trying to do tomorrow. Obviously, feed the ball to Blake Corum, but... Uh, that's not necessarily a winning recipe moving forward, especially once you get to the higher level competitions, teams with some, some solid run defenses and I'm not putting Nebraska in that, that echelon. But when you look at tomorrow, do you see Michigan, you know, start trying to get JJ McCarthy involved with the offense a little bit more? Is this going to be Blake Corum early and often
5: until it doesn't work? Well, I think it's going to be, it's kind of going to be like what they did at Rutgers. They came out throwing the ball, wanted to try to kind of get some stuff done. Uh, The first half will be close. You'll see, um, you'll see what that is. Michigan will, uh, feel them out. Try some things. They're going to feed the ball to Corum, but the, the the growing rumor is is that they want to start featuring Edwards a little more too, because that gives them you know that gives them that dual threat. The thing that that Michigan offense wants to do is keep you off the field. They're everything they do right now. It's like if you're learning to fly an airplane, you know you go up ten thousand feet and you stall the plane. Everything you do up there is in case your plane stalls on the run when you're taking off or landing. So everything Michigan is doing right now is to prepare themselves to keep the Ohio State offense off the field. So you're going to see them do a variety of things. You're going to see them run the ball heavy with Form. You're going to see Blake Edward or. Uh, uh, donovan edwards run the ball but he's also going to catch the ball out of the backfield he started to see that again last week when he caught the uh, great pass on the uh, down the sideline and then he had a great touchdown catch he's a real dual threat guy corum won't take the ball uh won't won't catch the ball in the air he's going to run it um they're going to get a couple of linemen back this week and you'll see a lot of tight ends and then they're going to come back on the second half with adjustments and run away that's kind of what the, the pro what it's been all year and i'm not saying that you know to embarrass you guys i just think that's what it's going to be you know i don't know that the personnel can match up and keep you guys in it much past that unfortunately is thompson even playing tomorrow
2: no he's out dude he's no you have two backups and two possibly unhealthy backups
5: yeah, you're, you're not offending you know, anybody you know, I like
2: with that Tom. take <laughs> i think Gage has been good connor you got something bud
3: yeah, I was going to say, too, because the Michigan offensive line has been just so dominant the past two years, really, at this point. How big of an emphasis has that been for Michigan's success this year? J.J. McCarthy's been a good quarterback, obviously, but how much has that offensive line play helped the offense really open up this year?
5: Well, it's funny because most programs don't get roll until they get offensive And When Harbaugh got here, the class before he took the job, there was one tackle, just one. And, you know, you take five, six linemen every year. So he is just now in a position where he can redshirt some hogs and put 40 pounds on them before they have to play. When he got here, he was playing freshman and sophomores on that offensive line. He had nobody else. And that's what I think will happen at Nebraska when they start to turn it around. You'll see linemen come in, get redshirted, and then they start road grading when they get older. And I think this is the, um, the culmination of what they've put in. They they won the Joe Moore award last year. And this damn line might be better because of the transfer at center. They didn't have to rush a a redshirt freshman in this year. And they put Olu in and next year, Greg Crippen will be a redshirt sophomore and ready to take over. So I think it plays a huge part. And I think it's why uh, I keep saying to myself, I think Harbaugh's finally got this thing going. I don't know that they're at Ohio state's level yet, maybe running the ball. We're going to find out. I don't, I know they're not at Georgia's level, but they're in the top three to six, somewhere three to 10, somewhere in there. And it's because of that offensive line. They will, they'll punch in the mouth. I mean, last week they were very physical with Rutgers and there were two backups in, and then Trevor Keegan, the left guard left the game late. So we're going to find out if he's playing, but luckily there's six or seven of them who will play.
0: Michigan insider, Greg Henson's with us here on Hale varsity radio. And Greg, let's flip this around to the, the defensive side of the ball. And it's particularly the defensive line. That's where I'm, um, particularly scared for this game tomorrow. They have some freaks on that defensive line. Mozzie Smith is an absolute monster from what I've seen from him, both weight room videos and on the field. And Nebraska's offensive line is really the, the weakness of their team. Tell me a little bit about what that, that Michigan defensive line likes to do and how it opens up
5: what Michigan does defensively. Well, it's fascinating because Mozzie is another kid who sat on the bench for two and a half years and just lifted weights and, and got himself in shape. Now he's probably going to be drafted, but he could come back for another two years, I believe, if he wanted to. Um, here's the difference between this year and last year. Last year, you knew Michigan was going to get pressure on the edge. Now you don't know where it's coming from. It can come from the edge. It can come up the middle. And that, I think, makes it more difficult because last year you had to watch Hutch Jabo Ojabo, and the middle didn't get much push. This year... It's coming from everywhere. I mean, Sane still is a a nickelback who's got sacks. You got um, the linebacker, Michael Barrett. You got, you know, Junior Colson. They're sending pressure from different locations, which will make it tougher on quarterbacks. Um, And they still get it on the edge with Mike Morris. So I think the defensive line is really key to turnaround. And again, you guys, this was a reload year. These players weren't supposed to be this good this year. Um, they're all young. I think the only one who leaves next year, are the two, are Mozzie and Mike Morris. And Morris is going to go early, and so is Mozzie. So, um, again, it's it's just they they got it humming to the point now where they can plug guys in, much like Ohio State can, much like USC can, Oklahoma, much like Nebraska used to. When someone left, they would just throw guys in, and it would work out. So um, the, the, the back half of the defense is playing really well, too, especially – Um, The corners, Uh, they're undersized, but man, when they get burned, they fix it. The adjustments Michigan's defense makes in the second half, uh, I don't know if you've seen some of these stats, but they outscored their opponents the last four games, like 130 to eight or something or nine. I mean, it's that good. So if it's close at halftime, be happy, because I think the second half could be where the route is on. But I haven't watched a ton of Nebraska. I know they got a lot of pride. They're a good program. I just think it's personnel. Just don't have enough of it right now. And it's tough Greg, to recruit out to the, you know,
2: out there. Greg Henson's with us, Michigan Insider. Uh, there's the theme: build, develop, plug. And Michigan's been able to do that. Harbaugh's had eight years. And uh, they are poised for another playoff run. Greg, we'll do this uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, thanks again for jumping on, and and we'll uh, wrangle you here as we get closer to Big Ten yeah. championship. I, I see it. Uh, Isn't our, that our, awesome? cam- beautiful... our cameras, our cameras are here. not picking it up. You know, make sure they don't flip. They don't...
3: <laughs> Turn it <all> off. <laughs>
2: make make sure they don't flip the schedule. We we're supposed to be out in Ann Arbor the fifteenth to see you this year. Of, of October. They flipped the schedule, so soon we will be out in Ann Arbor. Brother, be good, and we'll talk soon. Thanks for the time today. Thanks, guys. There he is. Uh, Mr. Michigan Insider, Greg Henson, Hail Varsity, Andrew Rogers up next.
1: He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot Pre-teen Swedish boy
2: back with you, Hail Varsity Radio here at the Hail Varsity Club. Chris Schmidt, Elijah, Herbal, counter Clark, Andrew Rogers in from Herdat Sports, and what a what a day! I mean, the what sm- a day! The smoke is uh, just swifting in the atmosphere with with rumor mill man, and
6: thank uh, goodness, right? We
2: we've talked our our. our so on the ledge about Coach Prime and then yeah. off the ledge yeah. with, with Coach Prime. Bill Dolman uh, coming up and then the infamous Klosber next hour with the forecast. But, uh, hey, it's never
6: dull in no, Nebraska. No, no. You know, it's great because it gives a lot of people a positive outlook into the weekend right you have a lot of names servicing aside from the game (laughs) correct it's it's the elephant in the room right what you're trying to avoid talking about and the inevitable coming this weekend Uh, michigan one of the most complete teams in the big 10 and and, and in my opinion the most complete team i see them taking down ohio state in, in a few weeks but yeah it's a it's a tall task for nebraska this weekend
0: well, it's not to say it's impossible, though. You you're calling it the inevitable
6: to cover or to win. I that's the thing.
2: <laughs> that's your, right money, your money or mine, <laughs> you're right? We'll just take Connor's money. Any given okay. week in the Big t- Northwestern just about
0: took down Ohio State. You know last what? Week. And I, I, I'm with you, you here, Elijah. Act of God, weather. <laughs> you know, I, I'm
6: really though with Elijah because it, every season there's that one game it that just, Nebraska's it, not supposed yep. to compete in. And here they are, Losing one, by score one score away.
3: away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I don't think that's going to happen this weekend. I but. don't think so either. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think so. Let's we'll, be, we'll get to the forecast eventually. Yeah, but. let's
2: be straight. The the scare or disinterest for Michigan, very apparent against Rutgers last weekend. 17-14 mm-hmm. and a half. At one point, Rutgers led that thing 14-10. to 10. Good defense. Chiano absolutely knows how to keep it close with harbaugh they did the last two years and then the second half happened greg Ensign, our michigan insider wanted us to kiss his yellow m <laughs> on his on his on his zip up he's like kiss it kiss," you know And I just no you're not doing that but he's uh, really plugged into the program but it's been a story of dare i say patience with harbaugh and they've let them recruit at a high level and more importantly develop at a high level it's what nebraska's been missing the last seven years well and they've also almost made a culture shift
0: within the past two years too where it's you know what we're going to be a, a non-sexy big 10 football yeah. team they, they've moved away from some of that sexiness there's, in no, recent there's years. no
2: topless wrestling in the living room on signing day.
0: yeah <laughs> you know what they're just going to be a hard-nosed big 10 football team and they're going to let the results come and by leaning into that it's really turned into the results we've seen the past couple years where they're a college football
2: playoff contender year in year out Two years in a row. Andrew Rogers with us. Andrew, give us uh, folks uh, know and see you on social media and, and your your hits uh, with Hurt uh, But just if folks are just catching you for the first time on Hale Varsity Radio since August, kind of give folks a, a heads up what you've been up to and, and some
6: of the content you've been rocking. How long? How much time do you guys have? A little, we have a, lot, a little six bit, six minutes, <laughs>
2: and then the gun goes off. <laughs> right,
6: <laughs> exactly. Uh, a lot. Yeah, there's been a a huge push into the podcast and and radio entity for Herd at Sports Coming soon, coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, we keep saying that, but we promise it's actually coming soon. And, and uh, for
2: folks that are wondering, okay, that's what I—that's how I like it in the morning. You'll really like it in the morning a little more.
6: Uh, well, especially because Damon Benning's going to be paired with me, and uh, I know this town goes nuts for DB. He was even in Springfield yesterday, and there was a platoon of people that went to this little small barn, and it was packed to the brim. And DB was talking. I. I don't remember what he was talking about, but he could talk about selling sweaters at the local store and people would show up and listen to Damon Benning. Well,
0: mm-hmm. I-, I love the setup you guys have, too, where it starts out with, I mean, st- my morning as well, coffee and cream followed up with
6: the morning dump and then <laughs> yeah. Benny Bites some cereal. They, you never I mean, know. Those could alternate, though. <laughs> morning dump could be first. <laughs> you, you really never know. Uh, Benning Bites, though... It, in technicality terms, that comes first, then it's coffee and cream, then morning dump, and then it's the sports six-pack in the evening. It, of course, not when you're driving, when no. you're chilling on your back patio because, in 30-degree weather.
2: The, the old liver needs a six-pack
6: every night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe in the morning, too. Yeah. Who knows? Well, it dep- depends uh, what the score in the Husker game is, what time you start that drinking. Right. And you can find those podcasts wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and that's where we'll live until coffee and cream comes to fruition.
2: Launches. What? are you feeling tomorrow we were batting this around what what's a a win for nebraska tomorrow and i'm not talking the mother of all upsets what's a win aesthetically perception wise at least so sunday morning comes around recruiting world college football world can look and say hey great effort
6: you know i think it's focusing on what didn't go right against minnesota there was that point to where people sat at home and said did Mickey and the coaching staff make enough adjustments quick enough in order to be a, a big threat in that football game? And it didn't seem like they had a great turnaround rate there. Now it's a lot, like, like I said, it's a daunting task to go up against this Michigan team. You, you got to stick with what you know. You got to stick with what the Big Ten knows. Commit to the run game in this especially. I know Mickey it was pushing that uh, in practice this week, but commit to a process. Don't Quickly abandon it if it's not going right, right away. It it probably won't. Uh, but if you stick with that and you eat the clock, time is your best friend mm-hmm. in this game. Uh, you know, we talk about the turnover margin all the time too. Uh, they're n- never on the positive end of that. If, if you can find a way to maybe... Get even get, at least. Yeah, yeah, get even. And then, you know... Uh, the magic number is four on the ground, right? You know, just try to st- stress for four yards a carry, and uh, when that's not working, you know, craft up a unique game plan to uh, attack the passing game. Uh, you know, no Casey Thompson, as everybody knows, so uh, I'd be interested to know if it will be a Purdy Smothers thing this week or if it will lean one direction or the other.
2: Uh, you know, 50-50 in and, and reps
6: this week. during. But that's practices. what they said, too, last week, and we didn't see that.
2: Now, what they got to do is bottle up that first drive, fellas, against Minnesota and live there. Can you live there with some short passing, with some quarterback run, and and be effective enough? Purdy was that little lateral passing game. Smothers, when they let him, had, a, had some nice tosses downfield. You have some athletes to, to get involved if you're Nebraska.
6: I think also, too, giving your defense breathers in this game is of great importance. We saw last week that it was three and out after three and out, and they're on the field uh, in a minute and 20 in game time. And I know that's not actually you're on the field back in a minute, but sometimes you're pretty close to that number. And against a team that runs the ball as much as Michigan and that can be even more physical up at the line than, than you probably are, you can't go three and out offensively and expect your defense to put up a fight. Andrew, before
0: we get you out, a, a bit of a national look here with with Blake Cor- Corum, excuse me, in the Heisman race. What do you think of Blake? What is Nebraska going to be seeing tomorrow with this guy? Because he impressed us last year whenever he came to Lincoln. Had that long touchdown run, but he wasn't the number one guy just yet. This year, as the number one guy, he's really come into his own.
6: Yeah, he really looks like what Derrick Henry and Mark Ingram looked like when they won the Heisman. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, six straight games of 100-yard rushing. It's hard for a running back to win the Heisman Trophy, as we all know. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, I say it to this day, I can't believe he wasn't even a final three when Joe Burrow ended up winning, but you can't compete with with 5,600 yards and 60 touchdowns, I mean that's just that's just unheard of. But expect a big game from Corum. He's going to run for 100 yards or more. I think if there's
0: any positive about tomorrow, it's that Blake Corum's Heisman moment will not come tomorrow, no matter what he does. That's going
6: to come in two weeks mm-hmm. against Ohio. Same State. thing with CJ Stroud. You, exactly. You
2: hope. <laughs>
6: yeah. yeah, yeah. I just don't want to see a, a 200-yard performance by by the tailback in Mich- In Michigan,
2: you know you're going on consecutive showdowns against the who's who. Hang out, Andrew. We'll do another segment here, partner, as we wind down this first hour. Hail Varsity, we're here at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. Come by, say hi. Uh, we wind down this first hour next. We're presented by Currency. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. What final time, Hale Varsity here at the Hale Varsity Club. We're here noon to two tomorrow. Weekend edition, uh, special time leading up to kickoff, Nebraska and Michigan. Andrew Rogers from at Sports to my left, Elijah Herbold to the right. Connor Clark is chained to the studio. <laughs> Back in Lincoln, he looks uh, thrilled, gives us the thumbs up. At least it was the correct finger on the StreamYard. <laughs> the uh, Facebook and ESPN Lincoln uh, video feed with uh, StreamYard going, and then the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle also... Live streaming the show. You want tickets to Dave Matthews tomorrow night? I'm not giving you mine. Uh, You want tickets to Nebraska football for Wisconsin, Husker volleyball. Your friends at Red Zone Tickets make it happen, selling fun since 2001. NFL action. Do you like the Chiefs? Do you like Elijah's Denver Broncos? Good luck going to that this year. Theater, CWS, concerts, and more with Red Zone Tickets. They are local. They're great folks here in Omaha, have been for 20-plus years. A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. And uh, that means they guarantee your order 100%. So log on today and cross that item off the bucket list. Create the memories that do last a lifetime. RedZoneTickets.com. RedZoneTickets.com. Do you have a prediction? Have you already laid that out there with the uh, the 30 and a half? It's dropped a whole half point? <laughs> it has for Nebraska, Michigan.
6: I, I would. value. Give me some value. Oh man, you know, I just first half live bet. No, you know, I look at a spread this large and think largest ever. I mean there, it there's. tops Oklahoma '04. Uh, four touchdowns like four. Plus, you you really think you really think that they're half. going to beat you by four touchdowns and and you know maybe they do at Michigan though as you guys had already alluded to they've had more than just one close game this year against a team that they probably should have blew up you know how, the, you know how it happened though throwing the ball <laughs> well,
0: but the thing with the Michigan team is they're not an explosive offense. Like, it, it comes down to their defense if they want to cover a 30-point spread. I'm not saying Michigan can't go score 30, but if Nebraska goes and puts up 17 points, 20 points on them, that's an almost impossible line for how their I'm not saying 50 operates. points,
6: yeah, the, the Wolverines. No.
0: They're a, a slow, steady team that's going to beat you with five six-yard runs, six runs down the field, turns into a touchdown, long drives, they kill the clock. They're just not built to go put up, as you said, 50-plus points. So Big plays. It comes down to more Nebraska's sure. offense on if they can go cover that spread.
6: Sure. Running the football, though, I mean, as long as Nebraska can have some success running the football, you're going to eat the clock, and there's no way you're going to reach that total. There's you just gotta, no shot.
2: You just got to pray that Nebraska, three by week three now, will stick to running the football. Yeah, just
6: don't ask me to put money down on
2: that because no, I'm avoiding. We, we will, we will <laughs> not. Uh, your money, my money, mama's money. Connor, you had a comment here?
3: My one rebuttal to that is that how do we know that Michigan won't be on the field every two seconds like we saw a week ago? Style
2: points, too. You got playoff uh, impressions to make. S-
3: six straight punts a week ago. I don't, wa- a I don't want people to forget Is that good? That.
2: No. <laughs> and, uh, here's the question. What, what does Michigan's backup quarterback, running game, O-line, defense do? Because there's a shot they'll be in the game. Sure. Do they rise up? Do they hold – hold fort or but, but, hoping
6: for some garbage
2: time football. But, but, but with what, I, yeah. know about, with, with <laughs> what I know
0: about Harbaugh, especially in the playoff races, it's less making a, a big line change in order to bring in your backups. It's more, you know what, we're going to sit down a guy like Blake Corum. We're going to sit down a guy like Mozzie Smith. We're going to bring in the backups there, but it's going to be, Six or seven starters on the field as opposed to all
6: 11. I'll tell you what, too. You won't see, unless Michigan is up 35 points at halftime, you won't see the 30 cover because, as you just stated there, if they're up three or four touchdowns, they'll just kind of play easy football at this point. They're not going to try too hard. They're not going to try to injure anybody. They're going to keep the legs moving, but they want to hold on to those bodies for deeper in the season. Mm -hmm.
2: Andrew Rogers, thanks, brother. Hey, for sure. Thank you guys so much. Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, Chris Schmidt, Hour two Bill Dolman here. Hail Varsity Club here in La Vista. Come by, say hi with Hail Varsity presented by Currents. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer.
0: Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure.
2: Back with you, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs on the road today, here at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. Bill Dolman, the Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, Big Ten volleyball man on assignment. And, uh, you know, we talked to Dr. Rob Zadiska earlier, it looked like he was in a timeout. Bill Dolman, too, has been put in a timeout in his vehicle. Billy D, how we doing? I'm
4: driving right now on uh, I-29 down to Kansas City. That's why I'm in my truck, scaring the hell out of everybody on the interstate. No, I'm not. I am
2: parked outside the studio, so nobody needs to worry. That's pretty good. (laughs) Dolman's just sitting there (laughs) down the interstate. What's up? Just waving along. Uh, That's not frightening or anything. Uh, We'll we'll get to, to Michigan, Nebraska, but Bill Dolman... Coach Deion Sanders, you probably covered Dion in one of those Fiesta Bowls, didn't you?
4: Yeah, you know what? I I, I might have. That's right. That's right. Uh, we, we we ran into those guys quite a bit back in the, uh, late 80s. in the mid to late 80s. You know, it seemed like Nebraska, Florida State were playing all the time, and then we started playing Miami all the time.
2: Yeah. So a thought here on Dion. We talked about it a little earlier in the show. Uh, Monster Brand has done well at Jackson State. The uh, Fighting Walter Payton's. I mean, he's he's an old school coach. He's landed a five star. I know that is high on your radar with recruiting rankings. Uh, <laughs> but you know, Dion is is a guy that so far so good. I don't know uh, how that sits with you as far as all right. Is this uh, a sweet whopper <laughs> or? Can you do the math on this thing if you're trapped?
4: I, I, just, I just find this whole process now, uh, as it has evolved over the past probably two or three weeks, the the rumor mill just is cranking out as we near the end of it. Whether or not there is smoke to this fire or fire to this smoke, uh, who knows at this point. Two weeks ago, we everybody was dead set that Lane Kiffin had Bob Davey hook up his cable, right? <laughs> um, and we know that's not true because everybody streams nowadays. So is it possible? I suppose at this point I'm willing to buy just about any story that's out there and follow it to see where it goes and then patiently wait until we all get open our presents on the 25th of November mm. or the 26th, as the case might be. Um, certainly that would be as splashy a hire as any institution could possibly make. If you were able to land Deion Sanders and and why wouldn't it? it doesn't—it it completely makes sense, doesn't it? Deion Sanders to Lincoln, Nebraska. Actually, I think it probably makes more sense than Lane Kiffin, um, because I think that Dion has probably played or coached in more games in the north than Lane Kiffin. I—I uh, I don't know. It's—it's it's a fun story for the day. Everybody's blowing up that it's this. Uh, Zach Smith is that the same guy that was the assistant coach at Ohio State that was one and on the same Best, yes. staff? Yes. Okay, so uh, I, I did look and, and see that that website. I think you always have to kind of consider, you know, the the logistical sources, not just the source. That's a that's a site that I believe has fourteen thousand subscribers. Okay, not one hundred and forty three thousand subscribers, not one point four million subscribers. 14,000, so are we are we click baiting on, on YouTube? Maybe, you know, smart, and maybe, maybe he'll get uh, double his uh, his subscribers and then this will turn out to be true and he'll still keep another five of them, you know? So you've climbed and lost. They're, they're putting a lot on the line, coming out as uh, definitive as they were, right? I mean, they, they made it sound like this is a done deal, Except for it's ninety-eight point five percent a done deal, right? Let's leave a little wiggle room just in case it doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, Bill, that's where I was going to go next. It was you kind of hit on it here over the past ninety seconds or so. The source and Zach Smith. I'm sure he does have connections in the coaching world, but as you said, this could also be a play to try to get his his podcast some more listeners some more subscribers everyone knows nebraska fans are going crazy for the coaching search news right now so let's go talk nebraska coaching search make a story and see how many listeners we can get that's a possibility but i also go yeah he's a guy who does have connections especially uh, around you know ohio state and people formerly connected to Ohio State, and I'm not going to go any further into that. But where I wanted to go, just an overarching theme, is Trev has kept his cards pretty close to his trust from a a Nebraska point of view. Do you think it is more likely that if we do get rumors out there that turn out to be true that they're going to be coming from outside Nebraska, like a guy like Zach Smith?
4: Well, I think it goes back to the very start of this whole process that, you know, uh, who was the the very first once uh, Trev fired Scott? you know, one of the more prominent writers uh, for the athletic or ESPN immediately through 12 to 13 names out there. Uh, that's a lot of splats on the wall that in case one of them, you know, ends up three months later or two months later hitting, you go, yeah, I was right. I knew it, you know, but it, you were wrong on 12 of them. And just takes one bill. It just takes one. And people say, you know, you, you were on it right away. So I, I, at, at, this, at this point, I think it, we just need to back away from the table, let Trev be the lone guy in the poker game, and then let him come up and, and reveal his cards when all is said and done. Because I, I really think that we're just at that stage where people are just grasping at what is it going to be because we know the answer is going to be coming fairly soon. And, uh, again, two weeks ago it was Lane, right? At the beginning of all this, it was Matt Campbell and Lance Leipold. No doubt about it. And then Dave Aranda. And, and it could be any one of those guys. You know, Gary Patterson was pretty hot for about 12 hours a couple of days ago, and all of that made sense. And people down in Texas are saying, yeah, I think there's something to that. It, it, it just takes one for somebody to be right and get a little credibility to whatever news outlet that they're trying to push. But Zach Smith has certainly tapped into what I've said many times ESPN does in the offseason. What can we do to get some clicks in college football? Let's run a poll and put Nebraska in it and and watch Nebraska fans click on it and up the numbers and we're good until they roll the balls out in August. That's what this really seems to me. Okay, another thing, too, in listening to that guy, Zach Smith, with his deal today, he said that Dion reached out to a coordinator in the HBCU. Okay, pick out all the schools in HBCU and just go down the list of the 12 or 24 coordinators there are. okay. Is one of those guys going to be the guy? Then start drawing. If you really want to dig into this, take Deion Sanders and do your Kevin Bacon. Six degrees, two degrees of separation. to All the coordinators in HBCU as to who it might be. Well, you know, if you want to play the game, let's let's start digging.
0: Do you want the theory? There's two names that I look at. Um, one of them just left a coordinator position, took a head coaching job in HBC. That's Hugh Jacks. Uh, yeah, Hugh Jackson, who's with the Browns. Whenever. Uh, Smith was at Ohio State. The other one's Eddie George, former Ohio State Buckeye, now the head coach at Tennessee State. Those are the two names I look at that I go, that kind of makes sense. There's the the degrees of separation there. How
2: cool would it be for Eddie to walk in with with Tommy's Heisman?
4: (laughs) I was just going to say, somebody's (laughs) going to stop Eddie George at the Nebraska border, and it is going to be Tommy Frazier.
2: He's
4: not going to stop him. He's just going to take that thing and say, okay, go (laughs) ahead. Yeah. That was one of the most fraudulent Heisman Trophy awards ever given out, <laughs> no doubt about it.
3: Bill Dolbans with you're us.
4: Right. You're, right. you're playing the game well, though. I mean, if, if people want to throw it out there, okay, then take it the next step. What are the connections to Dion? Who might it be? Who wouldn't make sense? And you're right. Maybe it is Hugh Jackson, but why would he go to Nebraska to be a coordinator when he's a head coach at one of the most prestigious HBCUs or well-known in the country? I I, I don't know, but that's, the, that's how you feel. You play the game to start to see where these uh, rumors could go, and I'd start making connections to Dion to make see if it makes sense.
3: Bill Dolmans with us on Hill Varsity Radio. Bill, I want to shift gears to this weekend in Michigan—one of the biggest spreads, if not the biggest spread in Nebraska history, underdog-wise. I know we talked earlier this year about how Nebraska likes to keep things close and they keep you interested throughout the season, no matter what the circumstances are. It feels like this weekend may be a little bit different. Your thoughts on that spread and how big it is and what type of chance Nebraska has to maybe make it respectable?
4: Well, I'm I'm a little surprised Michigan is that big of an underdog at home against Nebraska. Uh, I thought that they uh, might be a little closer. But, you know, <laughs> Vegas knows. So, uh, But, you know, I, I think Mickey comes out, um, and uh, they run the wishbone, and I think it throws them completely off. And, uh, you know, Nebraska – is able to cover the their the spread, right?
3: They is gonna that win how 42, this is supposed to play out? Huh? Are they going to win forty two twenty one? <laughs> just an
4: outright
2: butt kicking, okay?
4: <laughs> well, I think I think Nebraska has and Nebraska has a chance to cover. Let's just say that.
2: So you're <laughs> telling me Whipple all along has been this masterful wishbone guy. He's just been waiting yeah. for the right day.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you just you, you just can't throw those cards on the table too soon. So they have been pointing to this. Uh, I think you will see, uh, uh, you know, Yant in the fullback spot, and uh, Gabe Urban's healthy now. They've been pointing about the, the turf toe's is okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is when we unveil the wishbone. Absolutely, we could see we could we could see what Mickey would have done had he been a, a an Oklahoma
2: Sooner wishbone quarterback. Well, the thought bubble why not just goes off right there. Mickey and the Wishbone in Ann Arbor. Why not? Bill Dolman with us as he's getting ready for Big Ten Volleyball tonight. Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow Friday. We're here at the Hale Varsity Club. And, uh, Bill, uh, speak on this interesting dynamic. It's been a topic this week with Mickey and Whipple. Uh, It just doesn't seem eye-to-eye right now. And uh, this is the third game now where you're going to need to run the ball and uh, we'll see if uh, the, the crotchety OC complies.
4: Yeah, you know, I remember that quote that Whipple had uh, a few weeks ago that maybe he's better when he's not very nice. Shall we just paraphrase, right? We all know what he said um, and that he's better when he's, you know. That. And, but, but maybe that's not a really good way to operate when you're the offensive coordinator to a guy trying to get, you know, the head coaching job and it, maybe just, you just want to play nice to run out this, this, the season and, and do it on a positive note and, and, and just try to have some harmony. I think the last couple of weeks, the postgame press conferences have been a little uncomfortable. Mickey did something about it after the Oklahoma game, when he made the change at defensive coordinator. And at this stage, you, you can't make that change in the, the OC position. Not that I'm saying he wants to, But it it does not seem harmonious in listening to Mickey after the games against, uh, I've already forgotten who Nebraska's played. So, yeah, this just seems like a foregone conclusion to the relationship that I'm, I'm guessing there won't be any signing of yearbooks once the year is done. No, you know, best friends forever, stay in touch. Have a cool uh, summer. That kind of thing. <laughs> uh, I, I just, I just don't get that sense, and that's kind of unfortunate. This, this should have been much more of a all for one type thing, given all that they've been through since the uh, the Georgia Southern game. Uh, and, and you just don't get that sense. You just get it's, it's coming to an end. They're gonna, they're gonna separate in three weeks, and everybody's anxious for the news as to what's going to happen with Mickey and everybody else. And we're still a couple of weeks away from that.
0: Bill Dolman's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Bill, it's a simple question, but it's a tough answer. What does a successful result for Nebraska look like against Michigan on
4: Saturday? Well, I think it's going to be just like it would have been back in 1997. Uh, you know, if, if the two teams played, Nebraska would have won that game handily. And I think, that, you know, that we've been waiting for this moment to prove it. Maybe we haven't done it in the last couple of meetings, but, you know, doggone it, why not now? Why not go shock everybody at the big house and pull off the big upset prove once and for all 25 years later that Nebraska was definitively the national championship team, as we all know. And that's why I think Nebraska in honor of the 25th anniversary, will win it by 25 to win by 25 a lot of thought
0: into that ne- to win by 25. Nebraska needs to do what though? Offensively, defensively, getting a what
2: fight in you. the tunnel and have their best guys <laughs> suspended <laughs> one way uh, score
4: 25 more points. <laughs>
3: I love Thanks. the optimism. Thanks, Bill. I love it.
4: <laughs> Bill, last, I'm never, last thought. I, I'm never going against my big red, especially when it comes to Michigan and all that we had to live through back in 97. So th- th- there's going to come a day when we are going to prove it once and for all, definitively, and we can just move on from this one and then the next one, and we get to Black Friday, and then we all get to open our presents on the 26th.
2: About a minute here on the topic of Trev to end it. You think he's just sitting back, feet on the table, giggling? At, at this wild speculation? <laughs> no,
4: no, I, I think that was being done about 20 years ago during the four-year case of the flu. I, I think before things got out of hand and blew up, I think that that guy was probably doing that just a little bit enjoying watching Nebraska fans twist and reading what was in the media. I, I don't get that sense at all with Trev. And, you know, and I, I kind of wonder, has he had his guy all along? You know, he said this is going to how it's, it's going to play out. We all believe at this point that USC had Lincoln Riley probably wrapped up shortly after they made the move on Helton and that they just waited for the season to play out. And after Oklahoma was done a four hours later, boom, Lincoln Riley's their head coach that did not materialize, you know, in the last couple of weeks or a couple of hours before they made the announcement, you just can't do it. in a job like that with the amount of money we're talking about, and is it possible that when Trev made his move in September And, dare I say, started making the move a year ago. Mm -hmm. You know, he knew he was going to have to do something like this. That maybe he has had his guy and all the speculation is going on. Trev's just been holding a steady hand, knowing what he had planned and knowing what he needed to do. And maybe it's it's fallen into place the way he wanted it. And he's just been showing a lot of discipline and leadership until the job is finally finished and the name is
2: announced. Bill Dolman. Bill, have a great call tonight. Thanks for a few minutes today.
4: All right, the whole country will be watching. Maryland and Minnesota Volleyball from Minneapolis. And with that, go Big Red.
2: For $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow. Friday here at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. He is in Detroit on his way to Ann Arbor. Brady Altman's staff writer with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Detroit, have you had the pleasure, good sir?
7: I have, actually. I've been in Detroit once, but I haven't been outside of Detroit. So I'm a little excited to to get to the big house.
2: The big house, of course, 100-plus thousand uh, has been called Country Club from time to time, but they have uh, they got a real deal, man. They got a real program, a real head coach, and some fascinating lines of scrimmage. Brady, let's get into the search and slash evaluation because that's a little more interesting than than Saturday at two thirty. Uh, what, what's your feedback slash reaction been? To, to Trev and, and how this thing's proceeded here as we get closer to the finish line? Uh,
7: well, I, I've got to give Trev Alberts a lot of credit and how he's handled this. Um, a lot of different schools will have different approaches. And he said in his press conference on September 11th, that they were going to be real quiet about it. There were going to be names floated out there, but you know, don't trust it until an announcement's made. And they've, they've done great. I mean, they've done enough where, candidates from the outside that are coaching right now feel comfortable speak or comfortable interviewing for the job and doing everything they can while not being, you know, seen as an enemy of the state, wherever they're at. Uh, and he's done right by, by Mickey Joseph. I think he's, he's given Mickey a fair shake at it and trying to get the head coaching job and, you know, whether they decide to go that route or not, I think there's no indication through the administration or anything that would like be a, a, A black cloud or a smudge mark on Mickey's resume or reputation. So I, 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 and while obviously it's frustrating for people like me that are trying to make phone calls and emails and trying to to figure this thing out as it's unfolding, um, that nobody's really talking about it and we, we don't really have anything, but, um, it's, it's a testament to Trev Alberts and how the administration's kind of handled this. It's, I, I think that this is what's best for Nebraska and the program and how to conduct this search.
2: Brady Oldman's with us from Hale Varsity. Add Brady Oldman's on Twitter. Give him a follow. Read him, of course, with Hale Varsity. Let's flip it around. And the uh, the talk this week, the the drama has been the uh, the interim head man and the offensive coordinator. And you know, whip. You hear all sorts of things, but can can you follow orders tomorrow and, and give your team the best chance to win with the best quarterback behind center?
5: Yeah. It's been
7: really interesting because it, there was that little, um, I don't know if you want to call it a dust up, but um, like after Ireland with, when Scott Frost said, I think our offense has to get a little bit more creative. Um, that kind of, I think, set everybody's ears, you know, um, a ringing after that one. And then now you kind of see how they, they interact on the sidelines. There's, Um, there's just weird instances. I know Mickey Joseph's kind of leaned on uh, Mark Whipple for a couple of decisions as head coach, because Mark Whipple has head coaching experiences. It's good that it's good to have kind of a steady rock or someone with that experience beside you on the sidelines, but it's Mark Whipple has also done this long enough where he's got his style, he's got his system and he goes about it his way. And I think Mickey Joseph comes into it, obviously with a, uh, also a ton of experience in a variety of outlooks but when he says we need to run the ball slow the game down keep it on the ground i you know that's not mark Whipple's style so it's 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 been a fun kind of back and forth to see how that power dynamic works but also just the way that they're talking of the way that they talk about um casey thompson his availability obviously uh, mickey and casey go back and they have a long history uh, and Mickey wants to look out for him and do right by him. And Mark Whipple also has said that he'll never push a guy, you know, through injury. But it always seemed like Whipple was a little bit more optimistic that they'd get Casey against Michigan. And um, Mickey just didn't have that optimism. And then ultimately uh, Thursday, Mickey made the announcement that Casey's just not up for it, and they're going to have to go with Chubb and Logan again for Michigan.
2: Well, let's dive into Chubb and Logan, and you just can if you have to to lean on pretty. Can he find some sort of comfort, some sort of rhythm? I mean, he's so erratic back there. And, and with Logan, you know, I, here's what I think about Logan. I think he's tough as nails. I think he's a gamer. I think he's a good ball player. Logan Smothers runs on third and five last weekend if he's not dinged up. I think he's been nursing something I don't know that for sure, right? I don't have an x-ray in front of me, but just from a mentality standpoint, he's the last guy that's going to bail on contact and running <laughs> with the football. So, But he's, you know, when you take the leash off him, let, let him just go get in, in rhythm, do or die, let's not, you know, throw caution to the wind. you got to put some points up and put some, uh, a drill together. He performed pretty well. He just didn't get some help around him.
7: Yeah, it, it's really interesting because I, I wonder how much it impacts. They, in Whipple's system, he doesn't really – I mean, they get guys out in space and they want to allow athletes to make plays if the opportunities present themselves, but it's clearly not meant for a scrambling quarterback. It's not meant for a guy to go around there. Of course, Casey Thompson is one of the most reluctant scramblers you'll ever see, um, at least this season he has been. Um, but I also wonder if part of it is um, who – how much weight does Mickey Joseph's word carry this week in the quarterback decisions? Uh, they said that they would evaluate through practice, but also take in game consideration. Obviously, Logan performed better than Chuba against Minnesota, but they want to see Logan practice better and push himself a little bit better in practice. Uh, but Mickey's also a quarterback; he knows that how harmful it can be if your kid's confidence if you just pull him, you know, at the the first signs of distress, especially when the atmosphere on Saturday is probably going to be. The biggest that uh, Chubber or Logan has faced in their college careers to this point. I mean, number three team in the country, a hundred thousand people screaming behind you. Um, so you can't really bail on a kid. You got to give him a chance and put your arm around him and reassure him. But it, it, I think it's definitely going to be a little bit more of a neck and neck thing rather than Purdy being the go-to guy simply because he is closer to Casey Thompson than Logan's mother.
2: Let's talk about what impresses you most and. Brady Altman's with us here on Hale Varsity, Nebraska, Michigan. Here at the Hale Varsity Club Roadshow Friday. We're here again noon to 2 uh, on Saturday. I had a kickoff with Nebraska, Michigan, so a watch party. What what wows you about this Michigan team compared to some other Michigan teams you've seen?
7: Well, yes, it starts at running back. I mean, Blake Corum is an exceptional back. Um, Jim Harbaugh said that he's the best he's ever coached in college and maybe even, you know, Touching on pros, the only one that he could think of comparable was Frank Gore. Uh, Husker fans might be familiar with him. <laughs> um, but it's also their depth. They're just incredibly deep. Um, they're deep in their veteran. Uh, their line, their offensive line is stout, and they've had the same blocking combinations for, I think, seven of the first nine games of the season, if I remember correctly. And then their defense hasn't really been banged up. They've had the same front four, uh, the two tackles and edge rushers, they've had the same front four for the vast majority of the season. They get to guys, but also their twos and threes, there's not a big drop off. I mean, credit to Jim Harbaugh and how he stuck with it, because I think um, none of us were really sure Michigan football would be in this uh, position two, three years ago, but he's, they've corrected the ship and got it turned around. They're they are just wildly impressive. Now, having said that their vertical passing game, leaves a little bit to be desired, but, they don't ask J.J. McCarthy to do a lot, and he doesn't turn the ball over and make them pay for it. So it's they're just a real, a real stout team.
2: You know, Brady, this is novel, and it's happened at Bama, it's happened at Georgia, Clemson, but they have guys that are really talented that have stayed in the program. You go back to a couple of years in the renegotiation of, of Jimbo's contract, he just needed some more time, right? I mean, Harbaugh early on. I mean, you had the quarterback merry-go-round. You had people leaving Michigan, and he recruited high-level quarterbacks, but no one stuck. Well, he went back. He went more and shifted. He's getting high-level guys, but more of a fit, right? So you've got guys that have stayed in the program. And, and to your point, the lines of scrimmage have developed. They've gotten good. Guys have waited their turn. And then they've been big time. I mean, that's just really what it's all about to me with Michigan. They're always going to have good players, but they have coaching to match and that development combination with high-level talent. That's Is that fair to say what's making Michigan special and in this conversation is second year now?
7: Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, and, and that's one of the things that a team like Nebraska or a Big Ten team should aspire to. Um, you can get the recruits in, and you should. Obviously, it, it, it saves you a whole lot of time to get a four star or even a five star kid rather than rely on your know, two or three stars, but you've got to develop them. You got to keep them in your system. you got to make sure that it's second nature to them on the field to know what to do. Um, that, that retention is important. That development is so important and that's, that's now the the pillar that Nebraska wants to aspire to. So that's Michigan, Ohio State. That's the gold standard in the Big Ten, and rightfully so. And it doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere.
2: Brady Altman's with us, staff writer, HailVarsity.com and magazine, on site in Michigan to cover Nebraska, Michigan tomorrow. And uh, before we say goodbye, have you circled the the Friday night plans? Where are you going to grub? Is there a, a hot spot or two? I've not ever been. I've been through Ann Arbor on the way to South Bend, but that was many moons ago. With Cranack and that's that's kind of a top secret vault uh, roadie.
7: <laughs> no, um, nothing nothing pinned down right now. I think I might, while I'm waiting in the airport or um, or in transit, I might uh, hear something or get some recommendations and find some place to go. But uh, haven't haven't locked anything down yet.
2: You know the the Big Ten Network Food Show. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, mean, it seems like they always find their way to Ann Arbor. I know they've been to Lincoln a few times as well, but. I don't really nothing really sticks out. I think there might be like a barbecue joint in, in in Ann Arbor. Maybe not, maybe a diner or something, but you know, should be all right. I've been to Detroit a couple of times and old Tiger Stadium many many moons ago. Uh, but you know, Ann, Ar- Ann Arbor would be fun. Uh, producer Elijah was thinking about going and then the the line <laughs> persuaded him to stay home with me. <laughs>
7: Well, and the, the weather doesn't look particularly pleasing uh, this weekend either for it, but that's that's why you play the game. It's football weather for a reason.
2: Are you a stocking hat guy or hooded sweatshirt guy? Are you going to do a pregame video again with the words, let's ride?
7: <laughs> uh, no guarantees on the let's ride, but I'm probably going to be rocking uh, a, beanie or a beanie or something. But I am a big, cause I've, I've switched from hooded sweater to crew neck sweater. Uh-huh. That's, that's
2: that's been the big shift for me professionally that there we go and uh vogue's <laughs> is like absolutely he's nodding at approval <laughs> love it brady oldman's hail and magazine uh, on-site read his uh, reaction with nebraska michigan brady take care thanks for a few minutes
7: yeah no problem anytime
2: in detroit on the way to ann arbor as uh, we'll get ready for the Friday forecast, coming up here with Klodzberg, Chris Schmidt, and Elijah Herbel, Connor Clark, back at our ESPN Lincoln Studios. Forecast on the way with Hale Varsity, presented by Currency.
1: And now, and now back to Hale
2: Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hail Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, Connor Clark back at our ESPN. Lincoln Studios, don't forget, Hail Varsity Club tomorrow in La Vista, noon to 2. We're here ahead of Nebraska and Michigan. Cranack, myself, Connor, and Elijah will be riding shotgun here on site. We'll talk to Sharpie and, of course, uh, get uh, thoughts from Mr. Brandon Vogel. Reminder to get buckled up one of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol impaired driver. Why take chances if you drink, don't drive? A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Without further ado, let's uh, get to uh, the Friday forecast the imaginary and red wearing Clausper joins us claus how's your week
8: well, it's been pretty good uh, but i'm on my way right now to the missouri river because i heard <laughs> dave matthews was in town and i need to check the excrement levels. so let's see how quickly we can do this Claus,
2: are you going to the show because i'll see you there tomorrow night
8: I will not be, uh, as I do not need a contact high at this point. <laughs>
0: Connor, have you heard that that Dave Matthews Band story? That's from your neck of the woods. That's a Chicago story. Have you heard that one? I don't think so. Where the the Dave Matthews
3: Band buzzed. Em- into the uh, the porta potty, right into the Chicago River. Well, yeah. that's essentially what the Chicago River is anyway. So Speaking no longer.
8: Speaking of music, I am hearing nothing but. But NFL films music. And uh, I can hear John Facenda's voice in my head, but I can barely hear Christopher and Elijah.
2: Thank you, Claus, for that. Uh, So, long and short, this will be my 15th Dave Matthews show since 2000. And uh, going with the pharmacist, Jeff. Can't wait to see uh, the show. First, though, football to talk. Let's dive in. Uh, Purdue... At Illinois, minus six and a half. Uh, Let's start it off. Elijah, what do you say? Well, Purdue and Illinois, it's a battle between two not-likes.
0: Illinois likes to battle. They like to, you know, hand the ball off to Chase Brown, really pound the rock, whereas Purdue is going to air the ball out. I actually kind of like Purdue in this spot against Illinois. I know Illinois' offense Iowa. is great. After Iowa, something about Purdue tells me they're not going to stream together back-to-back good perform- or bad performances like that. I think Jeff Brown is a good coach. I don't like them to win, but I do like them to
2: take Illinois down to the wire. Give me Illinois 28 and Purdue 27. I'm around that neighborhood with you. I think Illinois uh, solidifies the West, but it's going to be tight. Uh, 28-24, but a cover by the Boilers. What do you say, Connor?
3: I like how important this game is for the West Division. I agree it will be close. I think Purdue covers. I don't think they win. I'm going to go Illinois 27, Purdue 24.
2: Claus, the Illini or the Boilermakers?
8: Well, I was trying to research this game, and I came across an article about an online fight between uh, the Purdue student body and the Texas student body over their drums. Apparently, uh, Purdue has a big bass drum, and Texas has Big Bertha. Now, Christopher, I know you have a soft spot in your heart, Big Bertha, after all the nights she got you through after striking out at the rail in college. (laughs) But I have a good the to Purdue in that one. And they'll give
2: Purdue the edge in this game. I think it's an upset Purdue 28 and Illinois 24. Down to Waco we go. Baylor minus 2.5. Kansas State, man, they were right there against Texas. And the comeback fell short. Two fumbles by a quarterback we all know. I'm going to start off here. I think Baylor starts to kind of right the ship. I think K-State plays and plays well but doesn't get it done. And I think Baylor gets it handled by a field goal, 30 to 27, uh, Elijah. I don't like whenever we came into this with the exact same score for the exact
0: same team. I also had you, Baylor 30 27. You took care of it last one. night. Hmm. Oh, and in our Thursday state of battle. I, I yeah. did. Yeah, but no, we had the exact same score here. And I'm usually I change it up, but I'm not going to do it because I do think Baylor also gets a three point win. They cover against Kansas State, and uh, it's nothing against Kansas State. I just do really like this Baylor team at home. So 30 27 Baylor, Connor.
3: I think Baylor wins as well. I'll go Baylor by a touchdown, let's say 34-27.
2: Claus, uh, Waco, or the Little Apple?
8: Well, I agree with all three of you. I think this is going to be a pretty good game, pretty close game. And I know Baylor (laughs) hasn't had the year they were wanting to have, but if there's one thing I know about the folks in Waco, it's they'll rally behind a leader. And I think Dave Aranda is a pretty good leader, especially one <laughs> named Dave down in Waco. That took so me a second. <laughs> I'll change my, I will change my score. I'll say Baylor 31 and Kansas State 28.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a hand grade when it took me a second. Especially named Dave. <laughs> 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 oh, we're going to go down <laughs> to Starkville, <laughs> Georgia. At uh, Mississippi State, this is is my heart versus my head, but we love the Pirate here on the show. It's been so good to us. I'm going to just say Mississippi State scares the heck out of Georgia. I want to say upset. I can't do it, but I will say cover. And uh, Georgia, 28, Mississippi State, 21. Elijah.
0: Will Rogers with that Mississippi State offense, he's he's something special. I do think they're going to put some points on the board against this Georgia defense. Not many teams have been able to do it this year. I think uh, Mississippi State is able to. I don't think they get a win. I I think they are going to scare the living bejesus out of Georgia, though, in this one. Give me Georgia, 35, Mississippi State, 31.
2: Okay, so even a little bit tighter. Connor, what do you
3: think? I'm not very sold on Mississippi State like you two are, and I'm even more sold on Georgia after last week. So I'm going to go – I'm going to be bold here. I'm going to pick Georgia to cover 37-20. Come on, Connor. It's a, it's a letdown spot. That's exactly it, right
2: after the Tennessee game. That's more of this math for me anyway. Claus. what happens here? The Pirates strike again, or does Georgia keep on Georgia-ing?
8: Well, I think it's kind of ironic that Georgia's playing a Mike Leach coach team. I, I took to calling them the Craig Jameses after the way last week they killed number 5 Hooker's uh, Heisman campaign. So <laughs> I think it's a letdown game, too. I'll take Georgia to win but not cover 31 and Mississippi State 24.
2: Down to Austin we go. TCU unbeaten. TCU in the playoff. And old Bevo at 7 and 3 six and three. They moved to 7-3. And, and Texas good football team. Uh TCU has been living a charmed life and they've made their own breaks. I think the setup's there, and I think this is where TCU falls. I think Texas uh wins but doesn't cover. It's a touchdown ball game, 42-35. Uh, give me Texas over TCU.
0: As you said, I also think TCU is living a charmed life. I think they're a very good football team. I don't think they're a great football team. I don't think they're a college football playoff uh, football team. And, therefore, I think they're going to slip up at some point. I think that is this week. I think Texas beats them and covers. Give me Texas 35 and
2: TCU 24. Connor.
3: I got Bevo and the boys down in Austin. I think they win 28-24, so TCU gets a cover.
2: Clouds, what happens here down in Austin?
8: Well, I had read on a message board where UT fans were saying we should prepare ourselves to get hosed by the Big 12 officials. And first of all, glad you're getting to see how the other half has lived for the past 20-some years.
5: <laughs> but
8: second of all, it's about time that someone took one to the bully, and Texas has been a bully. And if there's anyone who probably had to learn how to deal with bullies from a young age, it'd be a fella named Sonny Dykes. So I'll take TCU 28. <laughs> And Texas twenty-four.
2: We'll come on back to end the forecast. Nebraska, Michigan on the way with hail.
8: Miss
1: us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: One final time, Hail Varsity Radio continues here from the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. Come on by and uh, get your seat for Nebraska-Michigan tomorrow. Kickoff 2.30, ABC. And we are here for the weekend edition from noon to 2. Myself, Elijah Herbold, Connor Clark, and uh, we are ready to go to see if Nebraska can, uh, well, make a game of it. Guys, let's, uh, without further ado, crank up the music. Get back to the forecast. Nebraska will, I agree with what Greg Hanson, our Michigan insider, said earlier. I think it's a little bit of hope going into half and then too much Michigan. Uh, give me the Wolverines, 37, and Nebraska, 10. But Nebraska gets the cover because the line right now at 30 and a half, Elijah. Yeah, I'm with you in that. I do think Nebraska can cover in this football game. And it's, as you
0: said, Michigan, how they win football games this year is they really exert their will on you in the second half. Their offensive line starts to do some damage. Nebraska's defensive line is probably going to be gassed once we get to the third and fourth quarter. Uh, that's where they're going to win this football game. I think Nebraska's going to hang around, as you said, in the first half. Michigan does some damage in the third quarter, calls off the dogs, but Nebraska is able to cover in this football game. I'm going go to go 41-17. to Nebraska gets a tight cover here, uh, but they do, in fact, cover against the Wolverines. 30-and-a-half is just so many points for how this Michigan team team is built
2: well Connor what happens
3: well it's so many points but you have to take into consideration who Michigan is playing and I don't know I've gone back and forth on this all week I'm going to say Nebraska does cover I think they lose 38 to 10 at the big house
2: Claus what do you think here big house backup quarterbacks Mickey and the coaching carousel what happens, 30-and-a-half, too many, or just right?
8: Well, I think it's entirely too many. In fact, I just hope that uh, the Michigan fans have stocked up on their X-Men comics. because That's the only <laughs> way they're going to see a Wolverine win this weekend. Nebraska 28 and Michigan 24.
2: Claus yeah. calling the outright victory, 28-24. I like it. Claus is all over Nebraska this would be the biggest upset in college football since Jim Harbaugh as a 41 and a half point dog upset Pistol Pete the gum chewer of USC back in 2007 does that sound about right Claus
8: could be (laughs) (laughs) sounds good Pete Christopher (laughs) <laughs> Let's see if Paul
2: Castle, the I ghost might be of us.
8: Huns- I might be coming up on Dave Matthews here. I don't know what I'm thinking at this point.
2: Yeah, No, I get you. Well, Claus, behave yourself, and uh, we'll uh, we'll tip a beer at Dave tomorrow night. Okay. There he goes. Good to spend time with Claus Byrne as always. Friday Forecast, Hale Varsity Radio. We are here at the Hale Varsity Club. In La Vista, great crowd tonight. Uh, great food and drink specials. You want something for lunch in Omaha, man? You get down to La Vista here between the Embassy Suites and, uh, of course, Cabela's. They've got the burger, the fries, the soda.
0: Yeah, I got to figure 10 out Got to figure out where I'm sleeping tonight. I got to look around and I, I, like I'm not making the drive back up here. I got to find a comfortable spot, maybe back in the kitchen where I can lay my head and rest. It's tonight.
2: highly illegal, Connor. <laughs> we will talk to you
8: tomorrow and uh, talk to you at noon, high noon for Hale Varsity.